The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. My son was listening to a talk on his computer the other day. So they're, uh, my kids, if you don't know, they're in a charter program. So they do learning on campus in a classroom and then uh, learning at home in, in the both environments. And so he's listening to a talk on his computer and it's on fingerprints. And, and it's specifically how they, like, how they use them to catch, catch criminals. And I don't know why my son was listening to this talk on fingerprints. I, I didn't ask. You just sort of hope for the best with your kids and you just pray for them. Like, Lord, I don't know what he did, but I pray his fingerprints are not on it. <laughs> but it gets into this, this talk and, I, and it you know, piqued my attention. I, I, I can nerd out on some talks like that. <clears throat> And I started dropping the word. I started talking about the minutiae, the minutiae of, of the fingerprint. And for me, and for probably many of us, when I think of minutiae, minutiae is, is what? It's the everyday, it's everyday life. It's sort of the incidental details. It's, uh, it's the small things. It's just sort of like, ah, the minutiae of, of, of life or everyday, the tasks, the errands. It's, it's stuff, stuff that's, that we don't care about. It's incidental. Minutia is from the, the Latin for smallness. It just sort of doesn't kind of mean anything. But in biometrics and in forensic science, minutiae are the major features that make up a fingerprint. Make a fingerprint what they are. Shast knows about this stuff. That's what makes a fingerprint a fingerprint. What dif- it's what differentiates one from another. It's the ridges. It's the end dots. It's where they split into, into curves and, and, and endings. So, so that's what makes your, your identity by way of your hand is, is, is actually the minutiae. The minutiae of your fingerprint gives you your, your identity, the, the small things of your, of your finger make, make your identity. And I think we've been talking about relationships, and I think in many ways relationships are the small, are, me, are the same way. Because we can sometimes dismiss the small, we can dismiss the everyday, and we think, well, everything's fine, we'll, you know, we'll get there, we'll, we'll try to hit these big moments. But it's in the everyday that we define our relationships. It's the everyday that we define our relationships with your, with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, and with the divine, with God, it's, it's the everyday act. It's not the once a week, well, I'll get to church, or it's, uh, you know, I'll make up for it on the anniversary, or I'll, you know, I'll eventually call them. It's the everyday that makes up the relationship. And this is also, I think, often where, where, where conflict comes in our, in our relationships, right? Has anyone ever had this sort of, this conflict come out that it's like one party says it doesn't matter, it's insignificant, but the other party says it does, right? Like, it doesn't even matter. Well, it matters to me. If it matters to one, it matters to both. But it's so easy to, to, to get in that place where it's like, who cares about that? And the other person's like, I deeply care about that. Right? There's great conflict that comes out of those little moments and sort of leaning into those everyday, say, say minutiae, the details. Right? If, it, if it matters to one, it matters to both. 50% of every relationship is 100% you, and so we have to sort of lean into that equation. I mean, I don't know, that's probably our daily, you know, if we talk about everyday defining relationship for my wife and I, like, you know, what, what do you think about these two different pairs of shoes? I don't know, they're both brown, it doesn't matter. They're not brown, they're not both brown, it does matter, they're different. Well, well who cares if we go there or don't do that? Like, I care. So those things define the relationship in the everyday. And we're talking about this story today, and probably for another week or so, it's in Judges and it's a story of, of, of Samson, and, and sometimes it's sort of known as Samson and Delilah, but the story's really about Samson, and, and Delilah is part of that, his, his, you know, kind of bride, love interest in that story, or part of that story. But it's set in the middle of this book of Judges, and it starts in chapter 13, and you can turn there, flip there if you want, or, or just listen, we'll read a little bit of it this morning. 
Uh, and, jo- and Judges is this book that, that comes between Joshua and I think we'll have something up there, maybe a, a map. You could throw a map up, Alex, if I have one in there. Um, between Joshua, so the, the Promised Land, Moses, the, the Exodus, that whole part of the Bible, that story, getting out of slavery and, and crossing the Red Sea, if you're familiar with that. And then it goes, and then there's this period between Joshua, called Judges, and then we get into uh, Samuel and King David. So we move on to that other part of the book. But Joshua's is, is this, Joshua's is, uh, excuse me, Judges is this middle period where there's no king, and the nation of Israel has been given, it's kind of small up there, but they've been given this, all this land, the, the dark parts, their promised land they've come into, and they're trying to manage that. And the problem with, with, with the people of this time is they keep falling away from God. So if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament or even observe our own lives, it, it's really this, it seems like this, this dance that we're close to God, we're going to honor him, and then we're down here. And it's a story of that, the people are falling apart, unraveling. And when they unravel, God sort of lets their land, land go. He's like, okay, well, if you're not going to be part of what we, I, I signed you up for, then I'm just going to kind of allow other people to take it. But as they, as they drew back and closer to God, it, they sort of established their nation again, and they got their land back. So that's the story of Judges, all these really wild stories. That there's, there's, it's super R-rated at at best, I mean, it's a gnarly, gnarly book, but it's a real book. It's about humanity and, and brokenness and broken promises and, and, and falling apart in the every, every day and trying to make up for it in a moment, right? Any of us who have a, had a relationship with a spouse, I mean, it, it can't just be a, 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 a broken, non-communicative, non-loving relationship and say, like, well, I'm just going to make up for it on anniversary, Right? Have everyone ever thought that? Or their birthday? Like, I know we've been having a hard time, but I'm going to crush it on their birthday. Valentine's Day is going to be amazing this year. And maybe that's fun on that day, but it doesn't really fix anything, does it? Because it's every day in between. And the nation of Israel is kind of caught up in this, well, we'll make up for it every bunch of years when it gets really bad for them. Then they run back to God. And they're like, okay, we're going to fix the temple. We're going to get back on into worship. We're going to honor God. And they do that on these, for, for a brief season. Then there's just a slide, this decline now, down, until it breaks down again. And they feel like, oh, my gosh, God is, is not, not with us anymore. And we're drifting away. And so they try to rush back. And it's these really high, like, peaks and valleys. And our relationships can get caught up in that. And it's not healthy because I think eventually you will burn out on that. Without trying to working through, say, the minutiae, the everyday improve, improvements. So I'm going to read a little bit of this. It's in uh, uh, Judges 13, and it goes like this. Again, Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So when it says again, it's basically the previous tw- you know, 12 chapters have been this. Like, they were doing good, and then they fell apart. They were doing good, then they fell apart. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So, so Israel was a nation. They kind of had their own governance, and they were taking care of themselves. But now they're in the hands of the Philistines. So, no, the Philistines are, Philistines are going to rule you now because y- you deserve that. A certain man of, of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So there's this really a dark time for the people and they're being ruled by somebody else 
And this angel, angel comes to this woman who's barren and can't have kids and said, listen, I'm going to do a miracle through you. I am going to provide a deliverer. I'm going to bring you out of the clutches of the Philistines through this, through this person, through this boy you're going to have, through this miracle. And it kind of lays down this little law on her. Here's how it's going to work. You're not going to have, have wine. You're not going to cut his hair. You're going to be this, this, this Nazarene, Nazarite. And the Nazarite vow was a, was a, was a vow. It comes, comes out of Numbers 2 in the Old Testament. And it was sort of this extra way of, of um, committing to God. It was voluntary. You didn't have to do it. But, but part of it was that you would, not, you would not cut your hair during this time. It could be for your life. It could be for a period of time. So if people came through a really hard time and had a lot to be thankful for, and, and it was a way of thanksgiving, like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Lord. I'm going to take this vow for this season and honor you. So they didn't cut their hair, and they didn't drink wine or, or even anything to do with grapes. I mean, grape skin, grape juice, it was, it was off the table. And they also could never be near a dead person. So this is the Nazarite vow, and this is what, what God is, has sort of pre, preordained for this person that's to come who will be Samson. And the way he's supposed to live is this higher standard. So not everyone had to live that way. God said, I, I, I'm going to deliver your, your people through this guy, but, but he has to live this certain way. And mom, you need to start living this certain way too. So that's sort of expectations being set up on, on, this, on, this, person's, on this person's life. And we'll come to that as we look at the book because we'll see kind of what happens to those vows along the way. But it's these three vows, no grapes, can't cut hair, cannot go near, near dead dead body. Uh, so, so this the rest of this chapter goes on. There's some dialogue with the husband. The husband's like, what? And the wife's like, yeah, this happened. He's like, okay, that's, is that good? And she's like, yeah, I think it's good. And the very end, it says, the woman gave birth to a boy named Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir. This is verse 24 and 25. So she gave, gives birth to this boy, names him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir. And I want to talk about that, just kind of that moment, that moment of stirring, that movement of stirring in this, in this person's life will be the lead character in this story. He's growing up. Lord, the God, God is working in his life. He has blessing in his life. There seems to be some you know, covering over the household, and he begins to have this stir, this stir about, what, okay, why am I here? What am I created for? And this great quote, it says this, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you realize why. Two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you realize why. And some attribute that, attribute that to Mark Twain. Um, a lot of people would say that he didn't actually say that, but it doesn't matter. Say Mark Twain say it, said it. There's a, there's a reverend in, in New York City in the 70s who said similar things. But two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you realize why, or the day you find out why. And Samson's starting to have this stir in his life. He's growing up. He's He's blessed. Uh, he's got, got God in his life, but there's something starting to stir in him. And in, in, the, in the Hebrew text, it's this word pa'am. And it's to impel, to, to push, or even to, to be persistent. So God, through the Spirit, is starting to lean. He's starting to push. He's starting to ping this, this man Samson's life. And I wonder what that looks like for you and I, because I think we can, many of us can go back and see where God was in our life. He's, he's, he's brought us to a certain point in our life. And, and when, we, when we consider that, the blessing and the growth, what we hope is that the Spirit will, will awaken us. And many of us have had that. Some of us had an awakening years ago. Now you haven't had a, felt a stir for many, many years. And we want to believe and pray for that. God, stir me. Awaken my heart. Right, some of us need that stir today. We need to believe and ask God, stir my heart. Awaken to me. Why am I here? 
realize why, why are you here on, on the planet Earth? Why are you here in this community? Why are you here in this place and with these people? God, awaken me. Why have you been part of my life? Why have you protected me? Why have you blessed me? Samson was, was growing and he was blessed and he began to feel this, this stir, this higher calling, this, this, this reason. And I believe all of us have a, have a purpose, have a, have a reason. When God sets this story in motion, it's like, hey, I have a purpose for your son. He's going to do this. I believe that for, for every one of us. Those of you who are parents, I believe that for your kids. Some of us say, oh, not my kid. He is not going to be used by God. But he is. Believe it. God has something in mind when he sets this in motion. And we care and we grow and we try to create environments where God can, can bless and be part of a life so that one when, they, when they have that stirring, they're ready for it. That's paramount as parents, setting up our kids so they can, they can be set off when God calls them. Some of us have, 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 have grown and we've thought, man, I don't even know if God even knows I'm around anymore. Maybe if we just ignored that stirring for so long or even haven't listened to it or felt it coming on, like, ah, I'm kind of busy with what I'm doing. I've got all this stuff to deal with. I don't have time for a stir. And that stuff's great. But man, eventually it ends up, you end up empty. It's not as fulfilling as when God's calling is realized in your life. And Samson had, had some stuff going on. He, he seems like he was blessed. God's growing him up. He's doing well. Any of us can testify, I'm doing well, I'm blessed. Well, okay, you are, but what else? Is that what you're here for? Is that why you exist in, on the planet Earth and in this, in this community? So you have this boy, and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's, he, yes, again, he's growing up, and he's, and he's feeling this, this calling. And he's got speaking his life. We don't know exactly how that went down, but it moves on to 14, and we sort of see, see Samson move into this next season of his life. So Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines at the time? Kind of a weird response. Can you just marry someone in the family? Like that would be, wouldn't that be better? But he sees this woman with his, with his eyes, and he says, says that's, that's the one for me. I've seen her. Now get her for me. I see her, now get her for me. And that doesn't sound like love to me. If we talk about relationship and love, I see that, I see that I want that, get it for me. That's not love at all. What is that? That's more lust. That's lust. When we see things in our lives and, and, and a, other men or women are, are certainly a big part of that, but it could be anything, be someone's general life or, or stuff, and you see, I want that. I need that. It's coming in through the eyes. That's lust. Oh, I love that. I have to have that. That'll make me so much happier. Then you find out it really doesn't, and you move on to the next thing. That's lust. Samson, is, is, he's come out of this, what we have to believe was an honoring upbringing, but now he's, he's starting to change a little bit here. He has this love in his eyes, this, this lust. She's right for me. This is what I want to do. Because his father and mother are saying, wait, uh, that's not a good idea. Because according to God's plan and purposes for Israel, like, just stick within your own tribe. That's going to be best for you. You guys have a hard enough time as it is staying within your own religious circles, let alone getting involved with uh, pagan or other world religions. So God was, had a pretty clear law for Israel, stick with your own kind. 
Like that's going to be safest for you. That's going to be best for your relationship with me. That's going to be best for your, for your nation. Don't, don't outside marry. And so the parents are like, I, that's not a good idea. It's, it's not a really for us to marry Philistines. Why can't you just find someone in our, in our tribe? And he said, get her for me. She's the right one for me. She's the right one for me. And Samson's definitely a man of his times if we look at the context of this book. As the author will describe the, the spiritual condition of the Israelites this way multiple times. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Repeated throughout the, throughout the text. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did, was, did what was right in his own eyes. Chapter 17, 18, 19, 21. And this is sort of the opposite of how God created us, just to do what was right in their own eyes. And this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, but feelings are not truth. Your feelings are not truth. They may feel like truth, but they're not truth. Oh, I feel this way. I'm so passionate about this. It, it's, it doesn't mean it's true. Or we cannot just live how we feel. This is what happened in the garden. We talked about this original sin back in, in the beginning. God said, hey, I've got some, got some rules. Here's very little, very few rules. Go populate, have fun, enjoy, just don't do that one thing. I'm like, I don't know. Is that? I kind of feel like I should have that one thing. I feel like that might make my life better. Your feelings are not, not truth. And I, and I love that we have some movements today, you know, you be you, and it's, and it's okay to open up. That sometimes those are good things. But sometimes that bit of culture can sort of permeate to areas that are really where it shouldn't. Just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean it's okay. Right? That's why we have governments and laws and military, right? If people just could do whatever they want, just follow their feelings, it would be chaos, it would be anarchy. We can't be trusted with those things. We have to have some guidelines. And so God is putting guidelines in, in, in the place of his people that he cares deeply about because he loves them. We put guidelines in our, in our kids' lives and our rules in our kids' lives because we love them. And Sam's like, ah, you know what? It feels right to me. It feels good to me. Man, and that is our, our culture. Yeah, it feels good to me. Just do it. God's like, man... It's not really how I designed you. You're going to get off track that way. And we've all been there where we felt something that's gone wrong, right? Sometimes that's a relationship. Some of us have been some bad relationships. You're like, man, I feel it. This is it. This is the one. Maybe against other, other counsel or history. Maybe bad investments. Anyone ever make a bad investment? You don't go into making a bad investment because you know it's going to be a bad investment. Why do you do it? Because you have a feeling about it. I have this feeling. This is it. This is going to hit it. This is the time. And we do it because it feels right. I mean, this is gambling. This is why people lose their money. This is why I don't, I, I don't gamble. If I do, it's like under $5. Because I have a feeling <laughs> that last card, man, that last card is going to hit. Man, feelings are not safe. Feelings, feelings cannot be trusted. Don't follow your heart. Question your heart. I heard that from somebody. It's so profound. I'm a romantic. I like that we can follow our dreams. Follow your heart. I, mean, I, I probably told it to my kids. But be careful of your heart. 
Jeremiah 17.9 says, man, watch out for the heart. It is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. And so when you have a feeling, be careful with that feeling. Because it might be lying to you. Your own feelings, our own heart, our own gut. Your feelings are not truth as much as they feel like truth. They're not truth. And we don't live by instinct. That's not how we're designed. We live, live, live by a guide and the Holy Spirit within us. And, man, my dog lives by instinct. It's not pretty. I don't live by, like my nasty dog. We don't want to be that. We want to establish truth in our life. And in this context, even for, for Samson, he gets wise counsel. There's a lesson here. Listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Or be the kind of parents that people should listen to. They're like, hey, I don't, that's not a good idea, man. Like, isn't there somebody else? He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to do it anyway. And you know what? Sometimes our kids will do that. Sometimes our kids will do that. But his parents say, listen, man, I, slow down on this. I don't think it's a good idea. He says, you know what? feels right to me. And he dives in. I bought a, a car... Uh, years ago, we had young kids. We, had, we were a one-car family, had a uh, minivan, and, and, which was fine, but, you know, it, it, it was starting to wear on me. I was like, oh, I kind of need another car, and started looking for cars. And if anyone's ever done this process, I'm sure you have, you sort of start out with one thing in mind and one budget in mind, and then that so easily starts to slide when you see other stuff, when you go online. Or, I mean, I mean, at the time, it was like auto trader junkie, like, when's the new auto trader come out, you know, and you're looking at all this stuff, like, well, I can afford that for a little more, and that one's not practical, but I really like it. And, and I just started leaning into this thing. And, and, and I remember seeing this car that caught my attention. This cool black, all black sport wagon. And I'm like, man, that would be perfect. It's got some room. It's got for a surfboard. Had, had sound. It looks sweet. It was actually within the price, my price range. I was like, this is a miracle. This car is awesome. And so, sorry. so I start leaning into what kind of car it was. The car was a Daewoo. Anyone ever hear of Daewoo? Daewoo makes very average VCRs. At best. I'm not even sure if they're around anymore. But it was like a Daewoo. I'm like, what's a Daewoo? I'm like, when I look up Daewoo, like, tons of bad reviews. <laughs> like, they were like, do not buy the Daewoo. Their, their electronic products don't even work. I think it was a Korean company that, that somebody bought out, and they, they dabbled in cars for, like, a season because of Hyundai and, and everybody else. And, like, they had, like, one year. So it was, like, one year of the cars, and I think they were gone. So I'm like, yeah, this maybe. You ever have to talk yourself into things like that when you see bad reviews or you hear advice? And you're like, I don't know. They're probably just being dramatic, you know? And, you like, there's, like, 100 bad reviews and one, like, three-star. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm probably more like a three-star kind of review. We've all been there. When you really want to believe something, when you feel something, you don't, you can kind of get away from better advice from counsel. Man, you should not get in a relationship with that person. I, I, I know this about them, and eh. Man, don't buy now. Don't buy that. Don't, don't, don't jump into this decision right now. Wait it out or, or go different. Well, when you're booking hotels, right? Like, eh, this one's, gosh, it's super cheap. It'll probably work out for me. Man, I, and I go down and buy this car against all, all conventional wisdom, because I believed it would work out for me. And that is, a, that is a lie. Many of us carry, like, we have to be careful with, like, yeah, but I think it'll work out for me. Didn't work out for every other reviewer, reviewer on there, but, you know, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. 
And you do, do what's right in your own eyes. And I, and I bought this car, and, and, and sure enough, man, it did not last. It did not last through the first rains. I don't know. The car did not do well in the rain. It would just blow thick black smoke out the back. I mean, it was kind of fun every now and then. Like, it was like this old video game. Like, I can be going down the road at a freeway. I hit the gas, and it's like, this black smoke coming out the back of my car. I would like my brother in the car one time. <laughs> we went, this is a side story. We're going down like a, we're going down, I think, uh, Levis Road toward, toward the harbor in Ventura. Quiet road. There's some guy on the beat, on, on his bike going along. They're like, dude, watch this. Just lose this guy in a black cloud of smoke. I just totally dusted him in like, in poisonous gas and laughed about it. I'm still laughing about it. Sorry, guy. <laughs> But it was a bad deal, you know, and I had to sell it. And fortunately, there was some other sucker out there who thought it looked cool, too. <laughs> and I, and I kind of was a little more upfront. I was like, yeah, you know, this, this, and this, but it looked really cool. It looked cool with your eyes. It was all black, teen and out. I had rims on it. Played, played great, great music. <laughs> and it captured someone else's, else's attention, and they, and they snatched it up. But there's a warning here so, so very early on. We'll, get to, we'll just continue this story in, in, in next week. The, but just to remember that. Go get her for me. She's the right one for me. Don't do it. She's not right for me. Not right for you. There's, there's laws as your parents. As God, she's right for me. She's right for me. Your feelings are not truth. Question your heart. These are sometimes hard words for us. But that is, that is the encouragement from the author, from this text, I believe, from God this morning. Because this becomes a, a kind of a, maybe a small thing, but it becomes a really big thing in his life, in Samson's life, this, this decision. And in that minutia, we talk about the minutia of relationships. When there's conflict or things are breaking down, It's usually because one person, sometimes both, think it's right. Well, this is, I'm right. This is right for me. The way I see it, this is is right. And the other person's like, I'm not not sure. I don't feel good about it. You know what? It's right right for me. And there is a downward spiral that happens when we we begin to that thinking versus let's Let's trust God on this. Let's lean into God. Let's, get, let's seek wise counsel. You know, let's go to the word. If you, if you don't understand the word, but find some people who do. What does this situation feel like? And Samson had that opportunity, but he's, he still said, I will choose what's right for me. We're going to close out and pray for, pray for us all. And we're going to have a closing song. Josh and Lindsay, I, I did not totally forget, but we're going to get back to that. Sorry. Um, I'm going to pray for you in that. And, and remember that kind of idea, that minutia, like, it doesn't matter. Man, I don't know. I kind of think everything matters. And if it matters to one, it matters to the other. God, thanks for this morning, uh, for our team, for this, for this church, this, this, this beautiful church, God. I pray that your word would settle into our hearts, whatever need, wherever it's needed, these seeds would, would sink in, God. Um, maybe those struggling with, even finding a purpose for their own life, Lord. I pray that you would awaken, that there would be a stir, that your Holy Spirit would speak. 
Lord, I pray for us as a community and individuals that we would be people who seek truth, your truth, not our own, even if that's hard. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.